We saw the very climax of his ministry where his wealth and fame was really at the pinnacle. And then tonight, the falling action. And then in this chapter too, in this chapter as well, I should say, we will see in verse 41 through 43, Solomon's conclusion, the end. Every creature is unique in a song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. There are two obvious problems here. First, that Solomon loved foreign women who worshipped other gods and brought pagan influences to Israel. Second, that he loved many women, rejecting God's plan from the beginning for one man and one woman to become one flesh in marriage. God gave a general warning to all Israel to not intermarry with other nations, because surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. For all Solomon's great wisdom, he did not have the wisdom to apply this simple command to his own life. There is consequences to all sin. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. Well, good evening, everyone. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 11. Last week we looked at uh, the 10th chapter. And let's just read the first 13 verses together and then we'll get into this. Let's read it together. It says, But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you, and surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not follow, fully follow the Lord as did his father David. And then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. And so the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. And had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore, 
The Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this, and not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days, for the sake of your father David, and I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. A very difficult time, no doubt, uh, in Solomon's life. And in any novel or in any story that you might see, whether it's a movie, a book, or a play, usually there are five parts of a story plot. And those five parts are the introduction where you have some uh, exposition of the characters and who they are, and then you have rising action. And then finally, you have the climax of the movie, where everybody's on pins and needles, and then you have falling action. And then at the very end, you have the resolution of the story. Now, obviously, the life and the reign of Solomon is not a novel, but his life and his reign, as given to us in 1 Kings follows a similar pattern, as does Saul and also David. In fact, of, when you look at all of the first and second kings, uh, and, and all of Samuel was really dedicated mostly to Saul and, and mainly David. And these first 11 chapters are all about Solomon. So there's more ink on the page, if you will, for Saul and David and David's son Solomon. And each one of those three, you could fit into this kind of uh, plot um, form, if you will. And I just was looking at this today with just thinking about this, because we're going to see the very end of Solomon. We're going to see his falling action now. Last week, we looked at the climax of his life when all of his wealth and his flame, his fame, not his flame, but his fame, were on display. It gives us all of the, the, the peoples that came to him. Certainly Queen of Sheba was one of them. And just all of the wealth that Solomon had acquired and all the deals and all the trades that he had with all these different countries and with Tyre, king of Sidon. And uh, so he became a very wealthy man. But last week, chapter 10 was the climax of his ministry. And tonight we're going to see the falling action and ultimately the conclusion, or the denouement, as they would say in French. Um, that's, what, that's just what they use. But I looked at it, and, and I was thinking of the exposition, and you could, you could look at the verses or chapters 1 through 4 could be seen as the exposition of his life and in his reign, because Solomon, as his reign begins, he's making amends and he's preparing his own administration. And then chapters 5 through 9, you can see the rising action. Solomon beginning to build the temple and also building his own palatial complex and all of the other things. And then last week, chapter 10, we saw the very climax of his ministry where his wealth and fame was really at the pinnacle. And then tonight, the falling action. And then in this chapter 2... In this chapter as well, I should say, we will see in verse 41 through 43, Solomon's conclusion, the end of his ministry, of his reign. And Galatians has this to say, and this is a verse we know very well. It says, do not be deceived. 
God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And you recall that God had given Solomon much accountability. God had, and David had given his son much accountability. But we're just going to look at two different passages tonight. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. This is the very first time that God spoke to Solomon. And this was after David had already spoken to Solomon personally. David had spoke to Solomon in front of all of the nation of Israel. And now God speaks to him the very first time in 1 Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, going down through verse 14. Notice what it says. And here at the very beginning of his ministry, it says, The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for there was a great high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. And at, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant, my, my father, David, because he walked before you in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness with him, and you have given him a son to sit on the throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have get, made your servant uh, uh, instead of my father, David, but I'm just a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, you ask what I want, Lord, I'm going to tell you, give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? And this, notice verse 10, it says, the speech Please the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And then God said to him, because you've asked for this thing, and you have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for your, yourself for understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Notice the tense there. It's a done deal. God had already, at that moment, even be, I, I believe when Solomon was born, it was already there, because God knew, and he, he's just going to enable it now. And he's going to say, Solomon, I've already done it. I've already done it. I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has never been anyone like you before, nor shall there be anyone arise after you. And I have also given you what you did not ask both riches and honor, so that there shall be no one like you among the kings all your days. And here's the accountability from God. So, if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Now turn with me to chapter 9. So God is basically saying, Solomon, I, I'm going to tell you in advance and by this time, he has heard this quite often. And again, God doesn't waste words. He only says what's necessary to be said. And folks, I want to encourage you with something. As you read the Word of God and as you go to Bible studies and you hear messages and sermons or whatever, understand that we need the repetition. And, and the fact that uh, our lives prove that we need the repetition. 
We need to hear it again and again and again because you just never know when that word that we're going to hear is going to take root in our heart. And we may be going through something. And aren't we all, isn't it true that we're all going through these seasons of life? We are. We're we're moving in and out of seasons. We're changing little by little. And God, in every single circumstance of our life, every single day is moving and he's changing us, whether we're aware of it or not, especially if we're submitted to him. He's doing all of this work in us. And we need to hear at every single moment of our life the very basics, the foundation. You know, in the NFL and every other sport, you know what they focus on? They don't focus on all the fancy tricks and all that stuff. You know what they focus on? The basics. They still, NFL professional players, they, they work on tackling. They work on the very basics because the basics are, is what's going to win the game. It's not the fancy footwork and you know, doing all these crazy things and then tossing it back and this guy tossing it back and then somebody kicks it and fumbles it and picks it up. You know, it's not all that stuff. It's the very basic things, how to block, how to you know, get into it. And the same thing is true with us. What we have before us is very simple, but we need to hear it. We need to hear it over and over again. That's why Jesus often repeated himself. And that's why God here in Solomon's life saw fit to make sure that David or that Solomon heard it from his father at least on two occasions. The Lord spoke to him on on at least two occasions. This man was quadruply at least accountable because he had heard it so much. Solomon, if you follow and keep my statutes and my judgments, notice what it says in 1 Kings chapter 9. It says, And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house, see what God had spoken to him before was before any of this happened. Now after the temple's built, his palace is built, everything is done, there's a big celebration, there's a big dedication, the fireworks display is over, now he's resting and God speaks to him again. And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all of Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do. Notice that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he appeared to him at Gibeon, which is what we just read. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me, and I have consecrated this house, which you have built to put my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. And notice verse 4, here's the accountability again. Now, if you, walk, if you walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then, here's those conditional promises, right? Then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. But if, there it is again, but if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them. And this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And as for this house, which is exalted, everyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, why? has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? And then they will answer, because they forsook Jehovah God, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have embraced 
other gods and worship them and serve them. And therefore, the Lord has brought all of this calamity on them. And remember, there were only a few good kings in Judah, only a handful. The northern ten tribes, as we're going to see in subsequent chapters, they're all going to be evil. But there was only a small handful in, in, in the southern tribes, the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, that would be any good. And certainly David and Solomon uh, were one of them. Uh, but we had, you know, Asa and Jehoshaphat and Jotham and Hezekiah and Josiah, to name a few. But go with me now to Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17. Because we're going to see again God's warning, and then we're going to see the life. And it's an unfortunate thing. You know, I don't know what it is. I think it's just part of sinful man. We don't learn the first time. Very rarely do we learn when somebody tells us. I never listened to, I listened to my mother and my dad when he was alive when I was really young. You know, I I listened to them, but I didn't, you know, I thought I could do better. And I thought that I could do it and maybe not even get caught. But, you know, life has a way of catching up. And life has a way of making, the Lord allows you to get away with something a lot. Sometimes somebody does something and they do it once and they get busted. And other people, they get away with it for years. And then all of a sudden, when they've gotten really comfortable in that sin and they're unrepentant, God allows something in their their sin to be exposed. And so we never need, we never should take that for granted. We we need to really listen. You know that word Shema? Listen, hear, O Lord, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. The word hear is the word Shema. And that, that, that with that word, it carries with it, not just hear, with your hearing ears. It includes that, but it means that now that I've heard it, now I'm going to put feet on it and do it. There's obedience attached with the hearing. That's what Shema is. That's why when he says, hear, O, hear, o Israel... You shall love the Lord your God. Hear it. Hear it and do it. Love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your soul, with all your strength. Right? But notice the warning again in Deuteronomy 17. Beginning in verse 14, notice what the Lord says. Before they even go into the promised land, God tells them, When you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother, but he shall not multiply horses for himself. Have we seen Solomon do that? The last chapter we looked at, the, the previous chapter that, in, 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 in chapter 9, we saw him amassing horses and chariots and building chariot cities. And one of those we visit when we go to Israel and Megiddo. It's very easy to see. The stables are right there. You can see them. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. And that's what he did. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again, and neither shall he multiply wives for himself. Now, this was spoken long before Solomon was born. Hundreds of years before Solomon was born. God spoke this to them, knowing what was coming. See, God, as you know, he has this wonderful... uh, 
these wonderful traits about himself that only he possesses. These characteristics, omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence, only he has those. No one else, the devil, no demon, nobody, no single human, no human or angelic being has that except for God. So he knows all things. When he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, he means it. He, he's seen it all. He dwells outside of time. He dwells outside in eternity where he dwells. He can see time as if it's already completed. He has already seen when you were born, when you were conceived. Before you were conceived, he knew you. Isn't that what he told Jeremiah? And he knew exactly what your life would consist. He didn't intervene in the sense of making you do anything. He gave you information and waited for you to respond to him. And he still does that today. He doesn't make you do anything. You are not a robot. You are in full control of what you do. And you're responsible for your actions. I'm responsible for my actions. But the God, God has a wonderful ability because he is who he is. He knows what I'm going to choose. He doesn't force me to do anything. I, everything that happens in my life that's negative, it's because I made, I, I'm the one who you know, brought that upon myself. And Solomon did the same thing. Notice, you shall not multiply Wives for himself, lest his heart turn away. Didn't we just read that in chapter 11, the first 13 verses? Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. He did that too. God gave him so much. And we don't know where that line of demarcation is. Where is that line in in all of Solomon's wealth where God says, You know, Solomon, I've given you this. Is that enough? (laughs) But isn't it true that the human heart says, No, there is, I want more. I want more. I, want, I don't want to be rich. I want to be stinking rich. I want when I walk along the street that $100 bills are falling off my shoes. And because I make so much money, it, it's not worth my time to pick them up. Because if I steep, stoop, stoop, stoop down to pick up the $100 bill, I'd actually lose. Because time is money, right? And my time is much more valuable than picking up $100 bills. But that's the way it was with Solomon. Also it shall be, when he sits on the throne of the kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of the law of this in, in a book, from the one before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord as God. Yes, to learn to fear him, certainly to reverence him, no doubt, to reverence God, and we all ought to do that. But you know what? It's healthy to actually fear him, <laughs> to dread, to have the dread I mean, you and I, we've been saved by grace, and, and, and so we're not going to be going to hell or anything like that. I don't need to fear God because of what he's going to do to me, because the relationship is completely different now, right? But I do. I, we should have a healthy fear of him, but also, now that, especially now that we've been saved, we, we have this reverence and love. It changes. But before I was saved, I was f- afraid of God. Would to God that more people were afraid of God. Because most people don't think he exists. They don't even care to know him. They think that they could care less. They just live their lives like he doesn't exist. But he does exist. And it's important for us to obey him. That's what brought me to Christ was fear. Honestly, initially, I was afraid of burning in hell for eternity. Because that's what somebody had the guts to tell me. Folks never remove the teeth from the gospel. 
Because had that person, had this gentleman who led me to Christ, had he smoothed it over and said, oh, that, you know, don't worry about that. God is a good God. I'm sorry. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.